0: work that they do. The leader behind the scenes is Joel Miller. It's his birthday today. In the count of three, can we say happy birthday, Joel? One, two, three. Yeah. Happy birthday, Joel. We appreciate you, Joel. The whole team Yesterday was Liz's birthday, our worship leader, so we did that on Saturday night service. We'll try not to go overboard with the birthdays, but we love our team. We're grateful for our team here. And we are starting a new series right now, The Joy of Serving. We're gonna be going through different books in the New Testament. A lot of them are short books, epistles, which are letters. And we're gonna start in Philemon. If you brought a Bible today, you can turn there. It's very easy to miss that book because it's just one chapter. It's a very short letter and a very deep letter. And as we go through these different passages in the New Testament, may these words that are coming from God inspire and ignite our faith. That's my prayer for all of us, myself included. Our faith would be ignited during this series. And we're gonna start in the book of Philemon. I Also wanna thank God for an incredible week last week for our middle school students who went to camp. And the joy that was on their faces when they talk about camp and what God did at camp and the way they're connecting We're so grateful. We're grateful for our student ministries pastor, Jesse Peters, who and his team is doing a tremendous job. And then would you please pray this week as the high school students are heading off to camp. It's overnights, it's camp, it's fun. There's over 30 high school students going and God has a way of showing up at camp and changing and transforming lives. When we step out of our routine and we go to meet him, Uh, God is doing a great work with the next gen here at our church. Thank you to everyone that's serving. And also another encouraging update. In our chapel, uh, we're completing this project where we are adding heat in the (laughs) chapel. And that's right. The people are clapping and saying amen and the people who meet in there regularly and know that fall and winter are coming. And so we are knocking out that project again. It's just more progress moving forward with the vision, God's provision as well. And next service, we have a baptism. And uh, we celebrate baptism here. Anyone who's put their trust in Jesus, we know from the Bible, it's so clear, the next step is water baptism. And it's a wonderful celebration together. And we're seeing people come and know the Lord and we're seeing people get baptized. And when someone's ready, we baptize them. Andresia is gonna be baptized next service. And her heartfelt story, the reason she wants to be baptized is to honor Jesus and draw near to him and walk with him publicly, let people know that she's following him. And her story, uh, just like all of our stories, it's one of grace. And Andresia shares, uh, very transparently, she was raped as a teenager. It led to a life of drug addiction and meth, and included prostitution and God has met her there she's put her trust in Jesus there's been a great work of healing in restoration that continues and you know with her story the elders we had a discussion and would we share that you know cuz that's her story genuine story And so often in church one of the elders said it's so easy for all of us to kind of cover up or give a cleaned up version of our story. And we want this to be a place where it's safe to be real to be transparent and ultimately all of us are trophies of God's grace. So we celebrate every story, every person, and it's the work of Jesus in our lives. His love, his power is healing, and we give him glory. Let's pray together as we start this series. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that we can be real with you all the time. Lord, and you give us courage to really know one another, encourage one another. God, we wanna serve one another. Sometimes we're stuck. We're stuck in fear, we're stuck in selfishness. We're just stuck in a routine. and We don't have our eyes open. Our hearts aren't really engaged. And God, we pray that you would move by your spirit as we're in your word today, Lord, that you would renew our faith in our minds. Give us a fresh vision. God, recalibrate our priorities, God, and we worship you. We offer ourselves in worship and Lord we trust you're gonna do great things in Jesus name we pray amen what is your view of serving it's so important in every topic to think through things biblically and theologically it all starts with who God is we worship God one God three persons Father Son Holy Spirit perfect unity perfect community and you see perfect serving and perfect trust Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That included dying on a cross for our sins. That included becoming sin. And that included a sacrificial love that's demonstrated through sacrifice and serving. This is who God is. This is what God does. And then he reveals his heart, his life, in what he's done through this love letter we call the Bible. And we read this and we understand who we are That we are accepted and forgiven in God's family. We are his sons and daughters, and we are servants. And so what do we do? We serve, not in our own strengths, but in the power that God gives through the Holy Spirit. God gives resources and opportunities and puts people and needs in our lives. And you summarize this by saying that we don't have to serve, we get to serve. What a joy it is to serve other people and make a difference in this world. We get to serve and we celebrate a culture of serving that starts with the Trinity. You see it in scripture, in our church family, not just programs, but the way we do life. 24-7, abiding with Jesus, a culture of serving together. And that really culminates with a question, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? That's a powerful question. And yes, uh, there are times when we need to say no. And yes, there are times we need to focus. And yes, there are times we need to set limits. And I strongly affirm all of those things. How can I serve you? That was Jesus' heart. When he came to earth, when he met people, there was a posture of how can I serve you? And let's carry that posture. If we're meeting someone new, if it's a long term friend, if it's a spouse, if it's someone in our neighborhood, How healthy is that when we show up with an attitude of how can I serve you? Not what's everyone going to do for me, but how can I serve you? Let's open up our hearts, give the Holy Spirit access into this part of our life, which is so important, this serving. Howard Hendricks was a mentor for me in seminary, and he very clearly said, everyone says yes to serving until it's time to serve. Everyone thinks serving sounds great, great idea, great intentions, that sounds wonderful. Everyone says yes to serving until it's actually time to serve. Because when you serve, it doesn't always feel good initially. Sometimes it feels like there's some sacrifice, there's some giving up, there's some going out of your way, there's some inconvenience. And so those who say yes to service are often different than the people who actually serve. May our yes be yes. And may we refresh one another with how we serve one another. That's the heart of this passage. We're in Philemon chapter one. We're going to start in verse one in this letter, real letter from real people to real people. This is Philemon's story. Let's take a look. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker to a our sister to Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church that meets in your home grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ the context of this letter is the apostle paul is writing he's in house arrest in rome it's about 62 a.d and paul even though he's in prison He's still serving God. He's writing letters. We have the epistles, the prison epistles in scripture. There are multiple letters that Paul wrote from prison. He's writing to Philemon. Philemon is a landowner and a slave owner. And then he's writing concerning Onesimus. Onesimus was a servant, a slave of Philemon who decided to run away, illegally run away, stole some things, and as he left Colossae, you think of the colossians as he left Colossae where he was serving employed a slave there with philemon he came to rome Onesimus didn't know jesus but he came to rome and paul led him to the lord this runaway slave now comes to know jesus his life is changed in paul's writing on his behalf have you been an advocate for someone have you ever spoken up for someone and said, give them a second chance? That's why Paul is writing this letter. And uh, for Onesimus, it's going to take a lot of courage to say, I'm going to return. I'm going to return to Philemon. Under Roman law, a runaway slave, that was a crime punishable by death. There'd be no guarantees if he returned that he wouldn't be executed. Others their lives were spared, and then branded an F for fugitive on their forehead. The treatment was not usually good for a slave who ran away, who was a thief, and now wanted to return. And you try to take this in, it's a very different context than our context today. Onesimus decided instead of running my whole life, trying to hide my whole life, I don't wanna run from my problems, I'm gonna face my situation. I'm gonna face it. Do you have a situation in your life that's easy to deny or stuff or not really face? Try to numb the pain or get some entertainment or maybe dabble or dive into a sin because you don't wanna face a certain situation? God gives us courage and grace to face the most difficult and challenging times in our life. In Onesimus, now that he knows the Lord, he wants to follow the Lord and even return. And this is a major request that Paul's making. Notice, as Paul writes this letter, he includes Aphia, who is probably Philemon's wife, and Archippus, who is probably a pastor leader within the church. Why would Paul include even the church in this letter? Well, two things. It takes a whole community to serve together. And there's accountability. I think he wants to involve everyone because he knows it's a team effort. And in addition to that, there's clarity with a letter because when a runaway slave returns, it's easy to have gossip and slander and assumptions and box people in. And Paul wants it to be very clear what the situation is for everyone. There are times when you lay it out so clearly for everyone to avoid all that gossip and slander, and here's the truth, Paul lays out the truth. Now let's take a minute and think about slavery. It was common then, sadly, it's been common for centuries you read this letter and you think, oh, it it probably ended shortly after that. But we know it didn't end shortly after that. 1,800 years after this letter, we still, we had slavery in our country. Now, slavery is never good, and it's never from God. Slavery is never good. It's never from God. There's a range of experiences within slavery. Now, As we read this letter, there were some contexts where it was closer to an employer-employee relationship. Still not good, but uh, sometimes it was less severe. But then, on the other side of the spectrum, there were times when it was extremely horrendous, and people were mistreated and killed. We've seen some of the worst in our country. Uh, We're grateful for the changes that came in the 1800s. And when you consider uh, slavery and you try to get a grasp on this, uh, sadly, over those many centuries, some Christians, uh, they just kind of ignored it, and some Christians even tried to justify it. But ultimately, God's heart and love prevailed. And it was Christian biblical principles, and it was followers of Jesus who were proactive, in the abolition of slavery in our country and in many places around the world. Uh, When we read passages like this, talking about slavery, notice that sometimes the Bible's describing realities, but to describe a reality doesn't mean to endorse a reality. And it's a reminder for us that uh, there should be equality amongst all people of all ages, all ethnicities, all education backgrounds that's something that we want to make sure that is true in our relationships and we have a calling on our life to tackle biblical injustice for for all of us you know in generations there's blind spots and, and we don't have, you know, legal slavery in our country right now, but what are some of the maybe blind spots in terms of tackling biblical injustice during our times? And so we want to be aware, understanding, biblical, and live for the Lord, who's a God of grace and a God of justice. Now, let's go back to the text, and the basis of serving is love. And in verse 4, And we're gonna see that serving is all about relationships and serving is about friendships. Verse four, Paul writes, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you brother have refreshed the hearts of the saints therefore although in christ i could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do yet i appeal to you on the basis of love i then as paul an old man and now also a prisoner of christ jesus paul is going to commend philemon It's important to commend and affirm one another. Paul says, because of your faith in the Lord Jesus, you love all the people. You love all the saints. Because of faith in Jesus, we love all people. And it's amen. If you have faith in Jesus, you really should love all people. But what about the difficult ones? Uh, Not as many amens now, right? We all have some difficult people to love. Maybe people that have mistreated you, that you don't understand, who wronged you. And Paul is saying, faith in Jesus, love all people, including Onesimus. And maybe you have an Onesimus in your life That is so difficult to love would you put your faith in Jesus receive his love so that you have love to love even an anesimus or someone who's wronged you Paul writes to Philemon I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith that you have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ you know when you're active in sharing your faith and you're given that word you realize how real and full faith is in Jesus You realize the goodness of the Lord when you're actively sharing your faith. And then the more understanding that you have, the more you learn, the more you study the Bible and you understand who God is, and theologically you grow, and you take that in, you realize this isn't just a hoard it, but I want to share my faith. And the two go together. You gain understanding to share your faith more, and you share your faith more, and you gain more understanding as you do that. Because people ask questions, you're like, I don't know, let me get a little more understanding. And then you share some more. That's a picture of growth. Is that true in your life? Are you growing in understanding? Are you actively sharing your faith? Those two go together. Paul is painting a vision, a personal vision for spiritual growth for Philemon, and there's going to be a crossroads where he's going to live out his faith in this context as well. Paul says, thank you. I have so much joy and encouragement. I am so refreshed by you. Do you have people in your life who refresh you spiritually? When you're around them in the conversations and the thing they're sharing and just their spirit, the way they follow the Lord, the way you see them serve, you just feel refreshed when you're around them. It just feels good to spend time with them and you see what they're doing and it's inspiring. I think a ministry of refreshment is significant. And this word refreshment, Jesus used this word and this is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said, come to me. What an invitation. Come to me all who are weary and burdened is that you today weary and burdened jesus says come to me and i will give you rest that word rest is refreshment jesus will give you rest and refreshment he says take my yoke upon you learn from me i am gentle and humble in heart you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light We took those verses when I was a pastor in Northern California, put them on the outside of the church where people would drive by and read them. And there were people who would read them. Some people came into the church, joined the church, and they said, I just knew I needed to come in and be here when I read that Jesus gives rest. Jesus gives refreshment. His refreshment is real. It's deeper than any other source of refreshment. And this is what happens in our lives. When we abide with Jesus and receive his refreshment, Now we bring refreshment to other people. First we abide, we rest in the Lord. When we truly rest and trust in the Lord, receive his strength, now there's an overflow and we bring refreshment into our relationships. But we can't do that in the same way unless we abide and rely on the Lord. It's a ministry of refreshment. Philemon has been bringing this ministry of refreshment. And Paul says, here's the approach. I'm not going to as an elder, as an apostle. I'm not going to command you to do the right thing with authority, but instead, on the basis of love, on the basis of love, why does he make that shift? So Philemon will own it. If you're a parent, don't you want your child, children, grandchildren to own their own faith? I mean, as a parent, you could say, I command you, you better, I have authority, I'm over you, you need to, and how far does that go? But when a child is inspired, understands the why, owns their faith, now, wherever they go, when they leave home, wherever they're living, they're living for the Lord because they've owned their faith, they've owned their serving, they've owned their action. And Paul is trying to help and empower Philemon on the basis of love to own his faith and live it out in this context. Let's empower one another to really own it. And it happens through a basis of love. I'm inspired as I look around. And when I see on the weekends, I see middle school students and high school students heading to the Grace Kids classrooms. So why are they going? Did anyone mandate that? no we just have a lot of middle school and high school students who love serving the children at our church and they'll go and they'll make a difference and they'll connect and serve and love the kids i was inspired for grace kids camp when yes we had hundreds of kids but we had over a hundred people serving of all ages at our church for the week and some adjusted work schedules took vacation time to be here to serve the kids again The basis of that was love. We are seeing right now with our worship and arts teams, people are coming forward and saying, I play an instrument. I can serve. I'd like to sing. You know, all that's happening, it's the basis of love. We do nothing around here where we say, you shall serve in this way. But we do believe, and this ties into the why, we do believe that God loves everyone in our neighborhood, so we're going to have Grace Loves Auburn because we get to show love in a practical way we read that people form their opinions of church in the first seven minutes the first seven minutes they formed the opinion of church and so we believe that a ministry of hospitality with ushers and greeters is really significant and that smile that touch that conversation that care that warmth is so important when someone comes into church because it reflects that we have a god who's welcoming and loving and we believe that every child's important and their spiritual journey is important and so we say, yes, let's serve the kids. And and in a lot of ministries coming back from COVID, it's like we have more than half, but still a ways to go. And what an opportunity on the basis of love. But this goes far beyond any church programs. Look at the story with Reuben and Angela. Think about their journey. Can you imagine what that would be like to suddenly find out that you have breast cancer? Serious cancer? To take that in when the doctor says that? How do you respond? And then on top of that, for Reuben to find out that this blood clot won't go away. Six major surgeries with amputations to go through that together. Do you know what happens sometimes in stressful situations when there's trauma, tragedy? Sometimes a husband and wife will turn and kind of put the blame and take it out on one another. Sometimes people will be isolated and it feels like no one cares, but here, we want to come together husband and wife staying close and united during the most difficult days of our life as a church family as a care team as life groups as friends together we pray we serve we meet needs we want god to be uh right in the center of the most difficult times that we're going through and why would we want that to be this culture of service because the basis is love there's no greater motivation than love And if you're serving in any way and the motivation isn't love, this could be a great opportunity for a heart check today and say, well, why am I serving? Am I serving just to be noticed? Am I serving just out of duty? Or is there a love for other people that I have? Is there a love for God that I love to express? And I'll tell you, when you're really alive is when you wake up in the morning and you're excited to serve because you know God's gifted you, you know he's changing lives, and you just want to make a difference. That's powerful. That's the way to live. That's the way Jesus lives. And it's the basis of love. That's the motivation. Now let's think through serving. Let's cognitively think through some realities as Paul shares them. And look at verse 10. We're gonna start there. Paul's gonna begin to make his appeal. I appeal to you for my son Anesimus who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother." He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and a brother in the Lord. I think that Paul here is hinting towards not just a slavery position, but possibly no more slavery and look at him in a whole new way from God's perspective. Paul writes, my son, and he's talking about Onesimus, to point out the reality that Onesimus is now in Christ Christ and he's in the body of Christ, that he is family. And that's true from a heavenly perspective, and that's true family. There's one family that we don't choose, and there's one family we choose to step into. It's God's family, the body of Christ. And Anesimus is in the body of Christ. Paul says, but now, two important words, but now. In other words, this time is different this time is different i know he stole from you in the past he wasn't reliable in the past but now he's changed have you ever seen someone really change i mean someone who is deep in sin change repent live for the lord break free from those patterns and traps of sin it's powerful paul's seen anesimus change so he emphasizes but now his name Onesimus was a common name for a lot of slaves at that time. The name Onesimus meant useful, but Paul acknowledges that Onesimus actually—he's been the opposite of that. He's been really difficult and, well, destructive in some ways. He hasn't lived up to his name. He's been the opposite of his name. But now, he's fruitful. He's reliable. He's trustworthy for you and for me, Paul says. I've seen it. You're going to see it. This is a changed person. Sometimes when you have a past, people try to box you into that past and don't let you out of that past. But I'll tell you, God gives new starts. God gives new opportunities. And Paul is an advocate here for Onesimus because he is a changed man. Paul says, my very heart and there's two words in the Greek for heart. We think of cardiologists, and there's cardia, and, and that is one word, but that's not the word Paul uses here. He uses the word splatna, and that is the deep, inmost being, the emotional seat. That is a place in the deepest emotional love that Paul is saying, Onesimus is my very heart. How many people could you say that? This person is my very heart. I will go to bat for them, care about them, love them, connected so much. Paul is connected to a runaway slave. Jesus was connected to tax collectors and sinners. Who are we connected to, going to bat for? Paul says, I would have liked to keep him with me, but I'm sending him to be with you. What a powerful letter of recommendation. Have you ever filled out a letter of recommendation for somebody? And maybe an interview on the phone? I'll tell you one powerful question. When I'm, again, filling out a letter of recommendation, I'm on the phone, I'm trying to advocate for somebody, here's a powerful question, because I'll I'll talk about their positives, and then the question will come, would you hire him? And you have to stop and think, would I hire this person? And uh, I'll tell you what Paul's saying right here, is I would serve with him joyfully. In other words, I would hire him. I would serve with him. He is faithful. He is humble. He is teachable. He is solid. And Paul's saying that, and that's powerful to Philemon. This is the Apostle Paul writing. Paul points out that, yes, there was a difficult time. And it's important to acknowledge, if you're in a process of restoration, one thing you don't want to do is just skip over past wrongs. You just don't want to act like, oh, yeah, nothing in the past. There was no trouble. I didn't say anything. Didn't do anything. Yep, yep, no, no need to talk about that. When you acknowledge What happened, and Paul acknowledges the past with Onesimus, that gives credibility towards what he's gonna say now. When you acknowledge, it could be in the context of marriage. When you acknowledge, you know, I forgot that, I didn't say that, I used this tone, I was grumpy here, I was rude here, I was too critical here. When you acknowledge that, it makes room for healing. And we need to acknowledge some of those things so that we can move forward towards restoration. Restoration is re-engagement in relationship. And that's what Paul is being a part of here. And this is maybe the most powerful part. Um, this is a dear brother. Don't see Onesimus like the rest of the culture does as a possession. See him as a person. And in this relationship, there is equality in the sight of God. In other words, a runaway slave and a thief is equal in worth and value and dignity, equal to a landowner and slave owner and is equal to the apostle paul that in god's sight all three people have equal worth and value and that's a reminder for us that all the people in our life we need to see them as equal If you're looking down on anyone because of their past mistakes, age, experience, uh, financial, education, social skills, if you're looking down on anybody as not equal to you, that's a sin. That's a sin. So we want to see people how God sees people, and that's the shift that Philemon is needing to make with Anesimus. Let's start to summarize here and consider these three roles. Uh, Think about these roles in your life and in this text. First, there's the role of the bridge. This is The apostle paul when you play the role of the bridge you are seeing potential and you're starting to connect people 468 words in this letter and look at the change that comes through this letter god might be through one conversation through 468 words you're able to bridge and connect and restore an important relationship god will use you in that role also, there's the welcomer, this is Philemon, forgiving and making room for grace. Do you make room for grace in your relationships? Paul is saying, Philemon, let's make room for grace. It's time to forgive. And then there's the receiver of grace and forgiveness, Onesimus. And when we're in that position, we are growing, we are finding a new faithfulness, we are moving forward in trusting God. And there's a triangle that summarizes this. And take a look at this triangle right here, these three relationships. This is very significant. What we see in this book, the bridge, the welcome, or the receiver, this is played out thousands of times. Every day, thousands of times. This is true in your family. This is true in the church. This is true in your workplace. This is true in Auburn, across the Sound. This will happen thousands of times where God wants to move. How does God move? God moves in relationships. We have a humble and a serving heart. God moves, and the bridge, the welcomer, the receiver. How is God calling you right now to be a bridge? How is God calling you to be a welcomer? How is God calling you to be a receiver of his grace? With a fresh start. What does that look like in your life right now? This is the gospel. The bridge is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And we are the recipients of grace. We contribute 0% towards eternal life. Jesus accomplished it all by his substitutionary sacrifice on the cross father god welcomes us with ecstatic joy in dancing there's rejoicing in heaven every time we return to god repent and uh, heaven celebrates it's a picture of the gospel luther said this what christ did for us with god the father this is what paul does for Onesimus with philemon it's a picture it's theological and practical for our lives And now the last section, making the ask. It's important to make the ask, and the ask needs to be clear. Paul's going to make the ask. It takes courage to make the ask. So if you consider me a partner, in verse 17, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord, refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit the ask is really two words welcome him god will often ask you to welcome someone welcome him welcome anesimus that's the ask forgiveness is on the basis that two things christ died for us that we are forgiven many of us we can't and won't forgive until we realize the basis of forgiveness is that jesus forgives us All of our sins. And that's a game changer in how we treat everybody else. We forgive everyone fully. And we forgive other people in the same way that we would want to be forgiven. How would you want to be forgiven? That's how you forgive other people. And that's where Philemon is going to need to live out his faith. Paul says, charge it to me. In other words, Paul's saying, I got some skin in the game. Onesimus stole from you. I know he did. What he owes, I'll pay it. Put it on my account. Good Samaritan, it's not just patch up a few wounds, but let's go the full distance. Let's go to the innkeeper. Whatever he needs, put it on my account. Paul's going to step in. He wasn't the one who stole, but he's going to say, put it on my account. And he also reminds Philemon, you know, I led you to the Lord. Keep that same spirit. Keep that same spirit of gratitude in this situation right here. And Epaphras is also mentioned. Epaphras was an inspiring example. Someone who served, founded a church, helped the church stay faithful during persecution, warded off false doctrine and false teaching. Remember people like Epaphras. And again, it's community together, a culture of serving. And you take all that in, and even though this letter is well-written, and maybe someone shared with you heartfelt, logical, cognitive reasons why, we still have kind of a blocker in our hearts. I I know, I know, but I I got, I don't know, I'm not gonna. I, I know, but I, I, I. Have you heard that song? Have you heard that song? Well, that's true, pastor, but I, I'll tell you, I don't know. Philemon, he could have said no because of past hurts and disappointments you know how many people don't serve because of past hurt or disappointment? He could have stopped there. He also could have stopped and said, I'm doing enough. I'm doing, the church meets in my home. The Colossians, they meet in my home, my hospitality. I lead that life group. I'm already leading the life group. You, you can't tell me more than that. Right? So could have easily said that. Or he could have said, compartmentalize. Paul, I've got my faith and I've got my business. My faith... I worship Jesus, Sundays, I give, that's my faith, I compartmentalize it. But now you're talking about business. I mean, this is my employee. That's business, that's different than faith. Paul, don't go messing with my business, I'm going to stick with my faith over here. Well, that's unhealthy, isn't it? We don't compartmentalize faith, we honor God in every context. There's not this little separate pocket, oh, that's my business. No, we serve God joyfully. And we need to move beyond some of the deeper feelings, excuses, and social norms We need to leave room for grace and worship God, ready to serve. The summary is that God moves in a servant's heart, then he guides to a specific role. God moves in Anesimus' heart. He wants to go back and serve with a whole new perspective and passion. God moves in Paul's heart, and he writes this letter, 468 words. Write a letter that's going to change someone's life. Can you imagine Anesimus showing up with this letter? Here's the letter, here's Onesimus. What a moment, what tension. In Philemon, changing Philemon's heart so that he would serve and extend grace. That's how God works. I picture in this, as this plays out, that fear is a huge factor. Is fear a huge factor for you with serving? Paul writes this, but what if Philemon says no? What if there's conflict? Onesimus, if he goes back, what do people judge him? What are people cruel to him? What if he ever messed up again in any small way? Philemon, how do I know he's really changed? I'm going to welcome him. What's the precedent there? What's everyone going to think of that? There are so many reasons for fear, fear, fear. God does not give us a spirit of fear, but he wants to free us up to serve and to love and to do it together. Bridges, welcomers, receivers for the glory of God of God. And if it feels hopeless, it probably felt hopeless for Onesimus. But our identity is that we are accepted, we are children of God, sons and daughters of God. And because that's who we are, we serve to the glory of God. God parted the Red Sea. God can make a way where there doesn't look like there's a way right now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for being so good and kind and gracious to us. God, we take a minute to just think what you're calling us to do. The gifts you've given to us, the motives that we have, the needs that are around us, the times we're living in, our families, our church family. God, we're listening to you today. God, move our hearts, empower us through the Holy Spirit. We sense, God, this is a very important time in our lives. We sense that. We want to say yes, even when it doesn't feel good to serve initially. We want to say yes. And thank you, God, for the joy of serving, the joy of seeing lives changed. God, so many powerful stories. We thank you that we get to be a part of your great story, the kingdom you're building. And as we worship you now, God, continue to guide and speak to us individually and together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all subscribe to YouTube channel. (laughs) Subscribe to this channel.